So let's read this Psalm 23. Let's read all the, it, the whole thing in its entirety, verses 1 through 6. Are you ready? Hey, how about this? Won't you stand with me as we just honor God's Word? Can we do that? Psalm 23, no fear, no worries. Let's read together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, keep going. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, that's good stuff, isn't it? All right, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Lord, we thank you for your revelation to be on us today. Open up our eyes. Help us to see what we need to see, hear what we need to hear. Take into our hearts, Lord, and may when we walk out of here, our faith may it be strengthened. Amen. 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 And we could also go to John 10, 11. Jesus says this, and no, make no mistake about it. When he says this, he ties himself to Psalm 23. Jesus says this, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, Psalm 23 tells us how he does that. Amen. All right. Now, is it possible to live with no fear or no worries, or is that just a biblical fantasy? Is that just a good preacher talk? Is it possible for you to not live with fear, but to instead live with courage? And to not live with fear, but instead to live with confidence? And to not live with worries? Is it possible? I'm not talking about you living careless. I'm, I'm talking about you living carefree. There's a big difference. Is that possible? Well, here, here's the idea. From Psalm 23, we get this, and in fact, from the entire Bible. The more you and I are aware of God's presence, God's nature, God's love, God's care the more that becomes a reality, the more God becomes a reality. And I'm not talking about just a distant reality. I'm talking about a close reality that you actually live in. You get to that place where fear begins to lose its grip on you. Worries begin to become trivial. Why would I worry about that? God's got my back. You know, that kind of idea. 1 John 4, 18 says this. It says that perfect love casts out fear. You know, love grabs fear by the neck and says, you can't stay here. You came, but you can't stay. It cast it out. And that's what it's talking about. The more you and I understand the perfect love of God over your life. Now, it didn't say you were perfect. It says that his love for you is perfect. There's a big difference right there. People worry about how, how perfect they are or not. But, you know, here's, here's a little hint. Uh, hey, we knew you weren't perfect when you came in the door. We, we kind of knew that. Okay, so it's okay to breathe. It's okay to be you. It's not your perfection that casts out fear. It's God's perfect love over your life that literally casts out fear. So the deeper we get into, into God's love and understanding how much he really does care for you and love for you and on a daily basis, when you're good, when you're bad, when you're right, when you're wrong, when you're you all over the place, God's perfect love will drive out that fear in your heart. And Isaiah 26, 3 says this. It says, you, Yahweh, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusted you. Now, I don't know what that perfect peace is, but I'm interested in finding more out about that, aren't you? So we got perfect love. we got perfect peace. That sounds like a pretty good way to live, doesn't it? To live in that perfect love, rooted and grounded in Christ and his love for us, right? We talked about that a few weeks ago. 
and to live in this perfect peace. But, but that does have some conditions. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. So I've got to learn some things. What does it mean to have my mind stayed or fixed or concentrated on God? Well, one idea is that it's just to be aware of God all the time. In your thoughts, understand he's with you. That's what David says. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I, I don't have any lack in my life. And here's why. The Lord is my constant companion. He's my leader. He's my guide. He's my provider. He's my protector. He's my security. He's my peace. I don't have any lack in my life because I have him. And when I have him, I have everything. That's a real big point of faith. We just sang it just a second ago. You are my everything. I shall not want. I don't have any lack in my life. You know, the fear of lack is a big deal for us. We wonder if we have enough for this. We wonder if we have enough money to make ends meet. We wonder if we have enough for retirement. We wonder if we have enough to make the business float. We wonder if we have enough to, to keep the marriage together, to, to provide for all the kids and all the things that they need, not just financially, but all, all, the, all the other stuff, all the soul care and all the stuff that they need to put inside. We have a, 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 just kind of this undercurrent of fear, to, of lack. And David said, I've tapped into the source. I've tapped into the shepherd. I've tapped into the Lord, and I found out there is no lack there. If I need wisdom, James helps us out on that. If I need wisdom, what did James tell us to do? He said to ask for it because God will give it to you freely because he's full of it. He's full of wisdom, and he, he can't wait to give it to you. He just wants you to ask for it. I shall not want. I need finances. Lord, help us. Now, you got to watch that asking for finances because it don't always come as a check in the mail. Sometimes it comes as a J-O-B, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Notice that this is a sheep and shepherd relationship. This is important because a lot of people don't see their relationship with God like that. Some people see it kind of in a, in a, in a skewed way, in a twisted kind of way. More like this, like the Lord is not my shepherd, but the Lord is my chauffeur. I expect him to take me where I want to go. Or maybe it's like the Lord is my servant. I expect him to do what I want him to do. And you kind of know that because sometimes when we don't get what we want, you know, we're worried about our children throwing tantrums and acting crazy when, when they don't get their way. But you know what? We do the same thing with God. We get upset when, we, when it doesn't work out the way we wanted it to work out. We treat God as if he's our servant. Or it's like this. God is my, not my shepherd, but God is my crisis manager. I go to him when, when I need something. When I need help. But see, the relationship with God doesn't work on any of those levels like that. It's either a shepherd and sheep relationship or, or you, don't, you don't get the benefits. You know what I'm talking about? You, you kind of get the idea. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, this is the idea of Yahweh is my shepherd. And we talked last week about it. Now, how, would, how different would your life be and your approach to life and your approach to challenges and troubles and dilemmas and all kinds of things you face every day? How different would your life be if you saw God as with you, ever present, always with you all the time? I mean, in the business meeting, I mean, he's here with us in church. We know that. But I'm talking about in the business meeting, when you got to go meet with the client, when you, when you got to go run the estimate, when you got to go do this kind of thing, when you got to meet with the boss, when you got to meet with your patients, when you, when you got to come home with them kids. You know them kids. Lord Jesus be with me. Yeah. <laughs> 
You know, all that, that he's with us. How different would your life be to know that Yahweh, the all-sufficient God, the one who is self-sustaining, I mean, he doesn't have anything else he needs to plug into or draw from. He is self-sustaining in himself. If he needs something, he just speaks it and it becomes whatever he needs. How different would your life be, my life be, if we, we were aware of God's presence all the time? That's where David's taking us. That's where the scripture's taking us. That's where Jesus would take us. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit, so that we would never, ever be orphaned and alone. You'd never have to be alone. In fact, if you're a believer, you're never alone. So what happens when I, don't, when I feel alone? Well, that's when you've got to put your mind into his promises. Because when you feel alone, you're not alone still. He's always, always with you. He has made covenant promise to always be. In fact, the Hebrews writer says it like this. I will never, you finish it for me. I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's a pretty good deal now. The Lord is the all-powerful creator, sustainer of the universe is with me. He is my shepherd. That's pretty good peace. So this is a relationship of trust. It's a relationship of dependence. It's a relationship of submission and following. Now, all, all four of those things, none of us do all those things really well. We don't trust very good because we tried one time before with somebody else and it didn't work. You know what I'm talking about? We're not really good dependent. We like to be independent. That's where sin always takes you. We're not good at submission because it's my way or the highway. If you don't believe it, just cross me. You know? I've been pastoring a long time. I do understand church folks like that. You know, you know. And there's not a whole lot of submission in leadership. There's not a whole lot of submission in fellowship. But this relationship works off of all that. Following. And the benefits of being his sheep are out of this world. The benefit package is great. We read some of it here in Psalm 23. Now let's go back to the setting again. A little geography lesson here. Now, uh, David's setting for Psalm 23. Remember, David is not just saying the Lord is my shepherd. David has got a whole experience of God being his shepherd. But David's a shepherd too, right? So in his experience of being a shepherd, he learned that God's a shepherd. Now, this is the Judean wilderness. See the little red box at the bottom right there? It's in the southern part of the kingdom of Israel. Okay. Now, you, you see the idea? There's Jerusalem right there. There's Judea. This is, this is where we're at in this Open range land, it's a, it's a wilderness desert land where the sheep roam with the shepherd, okay? It's rough, it's rugged, it's dry, it's rocky, it's mountainous. And the picture of Psalm 23 is that through all that ruggedness of life and through all that dryness of life and through all that rocky, hard-to-walk terrain of life, that God is with me every step of the way. And David would exclaim to us, I don't have anything to fear. Even though the path is difficult and dark sometimes, I don't have anything to fear. Now this desert, I've been in it a few times walking around. I spent several days in this desert. It's hot. It's real hot. I'm talking about when I went in, in September, October is when I've usually gone on my trips, on my hiking trips and stuff. Uh, it is hot, 120 degrees hot. That's hot. I don't care where you, people say it's a dry heat. Shut up. Shut up. Uh, you ever been in that dry heat? Like that's supposed to make me feel cold. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> so this desert's a beautiful place, but it, but it can be a very dangerous place. And you know, you can get lost in that kind of place. 
right? So we're not on the fenced ranch, okay? This, this shepherding thing doesn't take place in the confined place. It takes place in the open range of life where a lot of stuff can happen, all right? Now let's show you some more pictures here. Okay, this is, that, this is that land. This is that Judean desert. Believe it or not, this is, you know, we're the land where the, where the home, where the buffalo roam. Well, this is the land where the sheep roam, okay? The sheep and the goats go through here. You see this rough, rugged, dry land? That zooming into that map, that's what that, that terrain looks like, okay? It's got all these canyons and paths and all this kind of stuff. It's a rough place. You, can you see how you can get lost real easy? Somebody says you go to that mountain and take a left and they all look the same. You know what I'm saying? Go to that peak right there. They all look the same after a while. All right now here's a picture of an oasis. Right there nestled in among those mountains. You have several places like this. Where there's underwater spring, under, underground springs, sometimes on top of the ground springs. All right, these little oases are in that desert. How do you get to the oasis? Well, if you're a sheep, how do you get there? You better hope your shepherd knows where it is, right? All right, go to this next picture here. Now, here's a big aerial view. Look at all that. Now, this is the place where Jesus' temptation took place as well. Okay, this, this desert is the ground of testing. There's a lot of challenges there, all right? All right. Now, here, go to the picture of the sheep right there. All right, now, this, just sit there one day and just on the hillside and just watch for about half a day. We just watch these sheep and these goats and these shepherds wander this hillside. And we just kind of followed them at a distance from one from one peak where they were walking on the side of this other hill. And we just watched them, okay? Go to this next one right here. See them? Oh, there we go. Go back one more again. All right, you see? Now you see the sheep and the goats. The sheep kind of the little light brown spots and the goats are the little colorful and black and all that kind of thing. All right, you, see, you hear some sheep and goat stories of Jesus in there? You okay? <laughs> Crickets. All right. <laughs> the idea of provision in that kind of desert, in that kind of place. See, that's a picture that the Bible draws of life sometimes. Life is like that desert. It's not always easy. In fact, this is hardly ever easy. In, in fact, the bad news for teenagers is you're living the easiest part of your life right now. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what we tell our kids is that you're complaining now. This is actually the easy part. Let's, let's go. Because it, it, it does get kind of rough sometimes, all right? Uh, did I just lose something? I heard something pop. Did we? That's oh, all right. So he leads me through this kind of open countryside, this Judean wilderness, and the only security that the sheep has is the shepherd. The security is not in where they're going or what's happening. The security is in the one they're following. The shepherd's the provider and the, the, the protector. He leads and we follow. And believe it or not, in those mountainsides that we just saw pictures of, there are green pastures there. There is good water there. Amongst all those rocks and all those hills and all those twists and turns and all those canyons, there is resource there for the sheep to live off of. But you've got to be with the one who knows where they are. Looking at the picture of those deserts right there, you get another idea when Jesus says that people that don't know God are lost, it wouldn't take much in that desert. A couple turns, you're lost. You do not know where you're going. Get the idea, all right? Now, we're focusing on this idea. He, he, he takes me, he makes me lie down 
in green pastures, and he leads me beside the still waters. All right, so green pastures and still waters. This idea of green pastures. Now, there's two ideas I want you to understand about green pastures. Okay, two to three months out of the year in, in this region is the rainy season. And it rains about four to eight months, eight inches a year there in that region. So that's not that much. I mean, no kidding. I mean, we really got that yesterday. <laughs> so it rains that much in that region every year. But in those two to three months of the rainy season, the green pastures look like this. That's a good time for the sheep. When they come out of there after a good rain and all that green grass has popped up, it's like, bad. this is good stuff. You know, and there are seasons in life like that. aren't? That's when life is good. You know, when it's clicking, when things start happening, when the deal closes and, and you know, when, when, when the, the job's just kind of going the way it should. Life is good. We love those seasons and we should love them. Thank God for those kind of abundant seasons. I like abundance a lot better than I do scarcity. I promise you, I've had, I'm like Paul, I've had both. I know what it is to, to be down and I know what it is to be up. God provides in all of them. But I can tell you which one I prefer, right? <laughs> so life is sometimes like this abundant blessing. Let's go to this other idea, okay? Here's the other idea. So what do you do with the other eight, nine, ten months out of the year? It's not raining. It gets really dry. The grass is not necessarily green. It's there, but it's, it's kind of the color of the rocks now. This is another picture. See this picture right here? This is another picture of green pastures. See the sheep roaming? If you look in the background right there, you can see the shepherds. Well, go back. Look back right here. You can see the shepherds with their donkey right there. That's a green pasture too. Go to the next one. You see these here. We'll talk a little bit about these paths a little bit later because those, those are the paths of righteousness. Those are sheep paths. They walk those hillsides and they, they bang out those paths so that they can navigate that terrain of that loose gravel and all that kind of stuff. But that's, there's green pastures there. And this is more like not seasons of abundance, but this is, we could combine this with the Lord's Prayer when he says, give us this day our daily bread. What's daily bread? Go to the next slide. Right there. If, if, you, if you go and zoom in to where those footpaths were on that mountainside, you zoom in between those paths, this is what you have. Okay, this is this taken with my camera here. You zoom in right into there and you've got another green pasture. It doesn't look like much. It's just daily bread. See a little grass? And I've found out and I've discovered that walking with God is more like this than it is like that three-foot alfalfa <laughs> growing on the hillside. It often is. And he puts us in position that I just get enough for the next part of the journey. As your days are, so shall your strength be, one writer says. That God gives me daily bread because he, he expects my faith to be at such a level that I just got enough today, but I'm not anxious for tomorrow. In fact, I think Jesus said that, didn't he? Don't be anxious for tomorrow because I'm the God of daily bread. I'll take care of you. I took care of you on Thursday, but so guess what? I can take care of you on Friday. We learned that story of the wilderness and the, with the manna, right? The manna fell down from heaven. And when it first fell, they didn't know what to do. Moses told them, just get enough for you and your family for today. Well, some of them got more than they needed. Because that's just human tendency. I, I don't want just daily bread. I want, I want it heaped up in the cupboards. I want it everywhere I can see it. I want enough. But God was teaching him a lesson about his provision. You know, the story goes that the ones that got more than they needed, what happened to the manna? They got worms and was ruined, right? Right? It's right. 
Walking with God is more like you get enough for what you got to face. Because see, God didn't want to set you up in such a life that you begin to get so far away from him, you begin to do life on your own. We got a tendency about that, don't we? He wants you to come to him for daily bread. Because that's really how life works. Daily bread. You get, you get the idea. Now, thank God for the seasons of abundance. We don't disparage that. We pray for that. Thank God for prosperity. It is a part of the covenant. Blessing is a part of the covenant. Aren't you glad about that? Yes. But daily bread is a reality of life, too. Amen? All right. Let's, let's keep going here. Now, what are the green pastures for us? So that's grass for a sheep. Okay, what are the green pastures for us? Deuteronomy 8, 2, and 3 says this. We covered verse 2 last week, but let's read through it again. You shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness. Now, Deuteronomy is the last words of Moses, okay? It's real important. He is bringing everything to a head, uh, trying to give them his last bit of instruction before he dies, okay? He led you these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Verse 3, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger. That's the part we don't like to preach right there. He allowed you to get a little hungry. And he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. That's a real important lesson. In fact, Jesus pulls this out of his arsenal when he's tempted, right? He pulls that passage. You remember that? When he says, take these stones, the enemy comes to him and says, take these stones and make it bread. And Jesus pulls out Deuteronomy 8, 3, and he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So what is our green pastures? Well, it's the very living, breathing word of God. The live, active word of God, the Hebrew writer says. That's our green pastures. That's where we graze. How often do we graze? Daily. We need it daily, every single day. Okay. Now, keep, keep it right there. Now, he fed them with manna. Manna. The word just simply means, what is it? It's a real strange thing floating out of the sky. It tastes, you know, it looks like a honeycomb, but it, or, you know, honey, you know those cereal honeycomb stuff. Kind of looked like that. Tasted like honey. It was really sweet. But it was weird. I mean, food falling out of heaven, that's pretty weird. I mean, we read these Bible studies like, yeah, God sent manna down from heaven. What? That's crazy. That is a, that's, a, that's a weird day. Go out of your tent and there's snow and bread. <laughs> and you tell Sarah, you go out there and get some, put it in the bucket, and we're going to all eat it tonight. That's strange. Okay? Don't, don't lose how strange these things are. Okay? Because it's God breaking... It's supernatural stuff, you know. Don't, don't forget that he's supernatural. He, if he wants to rain bread out of heaven, he, he can do it. This idea of manna, what is it? it so it's a weird diet. It's a weird diet. And, and if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, you're going to have to live on a weird diet. 
It's one thing God's teaching them. You don't live like everybody else lives. You, you were over in Egypt, you experienced what the world was like, and, and you know what they eat like, and how they offer their stuff to idols, and then they eat it, and all that kind of... We, you, don't, you don't eat like that as my people. If you're going to follow me, you're going to have to eat different than everybody else. You're going to have a weird diet. And if you don't eat differently and weird, then you end up like everybody else. So the world's going to look at all of our stuff and see, man, I, what, what is it? What do they think they're doing? We eat the scriptures. We take in God's word. We eat different than everybody else. That's how he feeds us. And it, again, if you're not eating different, that's why you look like everybody else. That's why we act like the world. So what is our food? Again, Jesus says every word that proceeds out of, that comes out of God's mouth. Every word. Hmm. Again, the command was make these stones bread. The temptation was, excuse me, the temptation was to make these stones bread. And that's what he's always doing. Take the things of this earth and make it your bread. Take the things of this earth, whether it be money, prestige, esteem, whatever it might be. Take the things of this world, the things that this world offers you, and let it be your bread. Jesus said, I'm not doing that. I'm not going to take anything. My kingdom's from another world. I'm not going to take anything of this world and turn it into anything. I'm going to live off of the very words that come out of the mouth of God. That's my green pasture. That's my bread. That's what I eat. All right? Now, Jesus also calls himself, in John chapter 6, he calls himself the bread of life. Okay, remember the miracle of feeding the 5,000 is right there in John chapter 6. And he does it to tie himself in with Moses and the whole manna thing that happened in the, in the wilderness. He takes bread. In fact, it's two fish and five loaves, right? He takes two fish and five loaves and feeds 5,000 people. Because, see, your shepherd knows how to do that. Do you know how to do that? No, no, we, we, you know, we're worried about if there's going to be enough fried chicken. Well, I find out this church is always enough. <laughs> Somebody's already multiplied it, right? <laughs> Jesus knows how to take molecules and multiply them and make it a supernatural feast from a boy's lunch to feed a whole multitude of people. That's amazing. See, that's another idea. That's my shepherd. Well, I don't have enough. Well, he can take not enough and make it more than enough. That's, that's what we're learning from him, all right? Now, this feeding of the 5,000, Jesus says this in this whole context of it in, in John 6, 27. He says, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you. Again, His Word is our bread. It's our nourishment. It's our strength. It's our wisdom. It's, it's our green pastures, if you will, if we'll stay in that thought. You know what? I love these red letters. I love these red letters because these red letters make great green pastures. You know what I'm talking about? I love to read what He has to say. I want to hear it. It's his kingdom. It's his voice speaking to me. Saturate your mind with the teachings of Jesus, with the New Testament, with all the word of God. Saturate your mind. Treat it like it's a green pasture. Time for me to eat here a little bit. I want to submit this to you. Treat our teachings here like they're green pastures for us. I like to teach in series, kind of pastures, kind of thing. I like, like to get into a thought, maybe a book or an idea or something like that. Right now we're in Psalm 23. See, this is our green pastures for the next few weeks. Get in there. 
Eat as much as you can. Get, get as much of it into you. Nurture yourself with it. Feed yourself with it. Study it on your own. Read it. Memorize it if you can. Boom. I'm eating as much as I can because the shepherd's taking us into a green pasture. It's going to be important. And it may not be as important today as you think, but something might happen six months later. You, you're going to need what you ate. All right. All right. Now let's get into the still waters real quick. So he knows where the green pastures are. The good shepherd knows where the still water is, or the living water is maybe a, a, a better way to understand it for me. Living water. In the desert, water can be scarce, right? That's why it's so dry and so dusty and so rocky and all that kind of stuff. But it can be scarce in life too. There's not a whole lot of things that quench my thirst. There's not a whole lot of things that satisfy me and nurture me. Life can be like that too. There's some good sources of water in the, in the desert. And you'll hear some of these talking over and over, especially by the prophets. You know, there's dew. It comes early in the morning, right? Sometimes the sheep get out there and they graze in that grass and they eat that dew. They eat the grass with the dew and they get the grass and the water at the same time. I think David said something like, early in the morning, well, I see. There's some good dew in the morning. You know what I'm talking about? You got to try it out sometime. Rain. Obviously, you can get rainwater. Watering holes like an oasis or spring-fed pond. That's a great place. I showed you a picture of one of them. You know, church is kind of like a watering hole, isn't it? It's supposed to be like that. We come and we get our souls nurtured. We, we, we go back and we're stronger because we came. We got a little drink, right? Streams and springs, all that kind of stuff can be sources of water in the desert. Wells. Prophets talk a lot about digging wells and all that kind of thing. Fed by underground rivers. Now, you got to beware. See, that's all sources of good water, living water. But you've got to be aware of things like cisterns and puddles and stagnant water. Because what happens to stagnant water after it sits in a puddle for a little while? What happens over there, Bubba? What happens to that water? It goes bad, doesn't it? I mean, it'll make you sick. I mean, it'll take you on to glory, right? You know, if you ain't careful. So in this desert, there's actually water sources. But again, the sheep don't know where the water sources are. They have to depend on the shepherd to take them there. Still water, fresh water, clean water, calm water, pure water that's good for you. Scripture speaks of two types of water. The first one is living water. The teachers of old said that the living water is like the water that comes from God. That's the stuff that he brought. Through the rain, through, through the rivers, through all that kind of thing, that's living water. It represents the water that comes from God. It's oftentimes flowing. Living water. Then there's the stagnant water. Or the stationary water that becomes toxic over time. You're going to see this picture right here in Jeremiah 2, 13. It says this. The Lord would say through the prophet Jeremiah, For my people have committed two evils. Now you're going to say two things right here. Look, see if you can find both of them. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns, even broken cisterns that can hold no water. See, what were the two evils? What, were, what was the first one? They forsook the Lord. And when you forsake the Lord, you don't always go out, you don't usually go out on your own. You usually go after something else. Right? They forsook the Lord, and what was the second evil? They tried to get another source. They went and cut out cisterns. Okay, cistern basically, in, in this understanding, is the idea of a hole cut in the ground. They would oftentimes take plaster and things like that, and they would plaster the mud side of the walls of the limestone and all that, and they would, they would put water in it, or they would catch rainwater, and it would collect and gather. Okay. And these cisterns weren't any good. 
The cisterns that they cut out for themselves, not only would the water go bad, the actual cistern goes bad. And really is not a, a source of refreshment anymore. I, I don't know. I, I'd have to take you into one. We, we were able to walk into several of them. You can crawl into these things. Some of them are huge. Some of them are as big as this room. Cisterns. Okay. Just water basin, basically, cut out of the ground. So instead of the living water that comes from God, they chose to drink the stagnant water of the things of this world. You see what I'm talking about? See the difference? All right. Here's a picture of living water. This is some of the streams of Engedi in that southern region there. Isn't that beautiful? That not only refreshes your body, that just, just being there refreshes your soul. It's just a beautiful place. Go to the next one. Another picture of living water. See, just coming right out of that, that mountainside there. That's living water. That's God's kind of water. Okay? Another picture of a little stream just cascading down the rocks there. That's living water. That's, that's a picture of God. That's a picture of him refreshing the soul of his people. Him being the source of everything good and holy and right for them. That's living water. That's like God. Let me tell you a still water story from me. We were hiking in this region right here. In fact, these pictures are from my camera. This picture is here, me standing right here down this path right here. We were on a second part of our hike that day. It was after lunch. It was about 120 plus degrees. Okay, I was not feeling it that day. We'd been out there for about 10 or 12 days already, and I was not feeling it at all. You know, you hit days where you just hit, you ever had days at work or whatever, you just hit a wall, and it just, it just ain't there. This big old boy was like that that day. I'd been toting and carrying and pulling and helping and doing all kinds of things all those other days. But this was my day to hit a wall. We're walking through there. We're, we got there, and I was hoping we were going to do something easy that afternoon because I really was feeling bad. Kind of was low on water and all that kind of stuff. It was hot. Got out of the vehicle, and it just, just hit you. So our leader, our guide, our shepherd, in fact, that's what he told us he was going to be that day. He was going to be our shepherd. He was going to take us and show us some things. He took off. And when he takes off, you better take off or you're not going to find out where he goes. He walks really fast. <laughs> he had something on his mind. So he just begins walking down this trail right on the side of this canyon right here. Okay. Down probably about 100, 150 feet was the bottom of the canyon. The path is about this wide, about a foot and a half wide. Okay. And you're walking this trail, you got a wall, that, a rock that goes right up beside you right here, and you got about a six inch little lip right here, and then from there is loose rocks that you will end up at the bottom of that canyon if you step off the trail, okay? A lot of teaching and stuff about the prophets, the Psalms say stuff about the path. That's, that's kind of what the picture I got. Stay on the path. If you don't stay on the path, you're in trouble. So we're walking, and um, did I mention I was having a bad day? I was having a really tough time. And we got, it was, I think the hike was probably about four miles into this canyon we were, where we were going. And we got about halfway, I guess it was about halfway. And I just began to fritz out. I mean, if, I don't know if you've ever been in that kind of situation where you just get so hot and so tired, you get disoriented. I knew I was in trouble. When I came to the path, there was this boulder, this big boulder. It was probably about three foot high, just sitting there in the middle of the path and just because people walked around it there was the path just basically did this it just basically split and went around the boulder big boy comes up to the boulder 
And, they, and I just stand there and I'm like, uh, which way did I go, George? I, I was like, uh-oh. I'd gotten away from the pack because my feet were dragging. Folks just kept on walking. The shepherd, I'd lost sight of him. I didn't know which way he was, where he was going. I just kind of knew it was down this path and down this trail, but I couldn't see anything. And I was by myself, and that's a bad place to be in the desert, by yourself. So I just turned and I just sat down on that boulder. I didn't know what to do. I was disoriented. My water was hot. You ever try to drink hot water? That's just nasty, especially when you're hot. A couple minutes later, some more of our crew came walking up, catching up on the trail. They came walking up, and they said, Ron, you all right? I said, no, I am not. So they took their water bottles out, and two or three of them, they just started pouring water on my head, just trying to kick, you know, get the radiator cooled down a little bit. And, and one young lady, come to find out, she had actually gotten saved just a few days before. I did not know that. One young lady said, well, let's just pray. Let's pray. And so she grabbed my hands, and she prayed just a real simple, powerful prayer, and just said, Lord, just give us strength. We've got to get down this, this path. Give us strength. And she said something along with her prayer that made all the difference in the world, the prayer and what she did. She said, we're going to walk with you the rest of the way. Let's go together. Some big lessons here. So we, we stumbled, we drug, we fussed, we complained. I know why they complained so bad in the desert. I can guarantee you, I look at those stories a whole lot different. Because when you get hot, you get fired up. Anybody know that? When the air conditioner goes out in the house or the car, just everything just goes sour. It just does, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway, when, when life starts pressing on you and you get so stressed out, every, everything gets short and tempers and all that kind of stuff, and it just happens. We were like that, walking. What's he doing bringing us out here? What in the world? We could have stayed in the, you know, we could have went to a restaurant. We could have went and chilled out a little bit. I am so hot and bothered. I mean, I'm, I'm fussing like this, you know, trying to get down the path, still walking. Well, it's got to go because I'm in it now. Got to go. Dragging, dragging the wagon, bad. Go to this next picture. Two or three miles, four miles, four miles in. At the end of this canyon, had no idea, but the shepherd knew this now. The shepherd knew it. I had been challenged and tested to the very core of my emotions and my physical abilities. Got there, and there was this huge waterfall. And it was only about 40 feet, but it, it looked like it's 400 foot to me. <laughs> and there was this big pool of water that collected underneath that waterfall. And I dropped my pack, and I went and and I went in that cold water. And man, you want to know something? Instantaneously, that living water refreshed my whole being. And then me and that boy there, we, we took a picture underneath that waterfall right there, and then we wrestled for that, in that water for about 10 minutes, he and I did. <laughs> we just had a good time. See, that, that's, that's like my living water story. And God began to talk to me after it was over. Walking back out of that mountain. Because see, when you go in, you got to come back out too. So we had another pretty good walk, walk out. But you know what? My walk back was fine. Because I was totally refreshed. I'd got some living water. Now, God began to talk to me about how important living water is. He said, life's like that desert. Life's like that walk you just made. You can't do it by yourself, son. You try. You try so much. You do so much on your own. What's wrong with you? You're going to be sitting on that rock the rest of your life. You've got to walk with people. 
You need folks in your life. And the power of prayer. He talked to me a little bit about that. Just the power of prayer. And just, and, but not just prayer, but putting feet on those prayers and walking with people. He said, what about all that complaining and stuff? Didn't you know I had your back? Didn't you know I had you? But this, is, this was the main lesson. He said, I want, want you to know what you felt when you first hit that water. Because that's what I want to be to your soul. I want to be the one that you come to. And you know what it is to drink deeply from me. And you know what it is to be tired and weary. But you also know what it is to be refreshed by who I am. Son, I want to be like that living water in your life. You can go drink out of the puddles and the mud holes of the world if you want to. I want to be like that living water. And I don't want you to ever forget what that feels like. I can feel it right this minute. I'm ready to go back. Anybody got five grand? We'll go together. <laughs> That's about what it takes to go. <laughs> living water. Amen. He makes me lie down in green pastures. And he leads me beside the still waters. I had no idea that that was there. If I would have stopped, I would have died on that trail. I don't know where you are in your journey. Maybe it's tough. Don't stop. Amen. If you belong to him, he's got a purpose in it. And there's some water down at the end of that trail you don't know nothing about. Keep walking. But, 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 Pastor, no, no buts. The only but you need is to get yours down that trail. That's all you need. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. And you know what? He, he could only teach me those lessons by taking me to the brink of my own demise. I wish I wasn't that hard-headed. I wish I could just listen. <laughs> Anybody else like that? But he has to just kind of break us down and wake us up. Boom. Take us to the end of who we are. All right. That's our shepherd. The goal of the shepherd is our rest, our strength, and our security. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Rest and peace are the reward for the sheep of his flock. Amen. Amen. He provides. Amen. I, I want to read a paraphrase here and I'll close it out with this. All right. Just a little paraphrase. This is just me putting some of my thoughts together. You got the text right there, but this, this is just kind of how it comes out with me. Listen to this. Just, just the first two verses. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack any good thing. He knows where the water is. He knows where the green pastures are. I am at rest, content, and filled. I will follow my shepherd's voice as he leads me through my daily life. He provides for me. I lack nothing. I have everything I need. Amen. Do you know the good shepherd? It's a good day to become one of his sheep. If you do know him, follow him. Stop all that fussing and complaining. Stop all that griping and moaning where you're at in life. Hey, I do it too. Stop it. All of us. Walk the path. Follow him. He's got good stuff there for you. Amen. Not every day is good, but by the time he gets through with it, it's going to be good. Because he's the good shepherd. He's the shepherd of good. That's what he's got in store for you. Amen.
Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're lots better to us, Lord, than we deserve. Find ourselves in that sheep story all kind of different ways, Lord. We like sheep have gone astray many times over. Came and found us. But Lord, we want to live in another reality, not the wandering sheep reality. We want to live in the following sheep reality. The sheep that walks with you. Here's your voice responds. It's content and at rest. We, we, we want that reality. We want the reality of Psalm 23 to be what we live, Lord. Life without fear, a life without worry. A life that's just free. We're free. Help us to become more aware of you, Lord. Help us to become more aware that you, you know exactly the provision that we need for the moments, the days, the dilemmas. You know, Lord. Somebody needs some green pastures, Lord. I thank you that you're faithful. Somebody needs some refreshing water like I did that day. They need it for their soul. Just pour it in, Lord. Lord, I'm reminded of that story, that woman at the well. When I hear living water, I'm reminded of that story. Where he said, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask for that living water and I'd give it to drink and it would be so refreshing you'd never want anything else. So we ask for that living water, Lord. That would calm our restless souls and restore us to strength. We need it, Lord. We need it. Help us. Help us. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're not a follower of Jesus... You're missing out. Right, we could talk a lot about heaven and hell and eternity and all that kind of stuff. But let's just talk about life for a second. You, you need him for your life. You're not near smart enough. You don't know where the good stuff is. He does. And he'll take you there. He'll lead you there. But you've got to submit your life and you've got to follow. You say, hey, Pastor, today I want to make a decision to make the Lord my shepherd. Anybody here? Just slip up your hand. I, I, Anybody here? I, I want to make that decision today to make the Lord my shepherd. Anybody? Well, then I hope that we are in the flock. All of us here, I hope we're here in the flock. But can you just in your own words, in your own way, can, can you make a, a, just a renewed commitment and a renewed effort just to follow? Just to follow him? Can you make, do that just in prayer where you're at? Can you do that for yourself? He wants to hear that. He likes that. He likes to hear your voice. Lord, help us follow. Sometimes your steps are so big, path gets windy, we get mixed up and frustrated. But Lord, I, I pray you'd help us to follow through the abundant seasons and follow through the difficult seasons. Help us to follow better, Lord. And Lord, help us to eat better. We've been eating the junk food of this world so long that we've got spiritual diabetes and we're messed up. We're just not doing good. Lord, that weird diet we're talking about, I pray you'd help us to stay on that thing. Stay on it. We're so scattered with that and we, we, we can't get spiritual strength because spiritual nourishment's not there. 
Help us. Help us to see your word like never before. Help us to begin to comprehend your word like never before. Help us to begin to digest it and let it become real to us and let that word become flesh in us. Help us, Lord. Help us. Help us drink, drink, drink. Drink up that living water. We renew our covenant with you, Lord. Our commitment to you. And together, we'll be able to say, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't like any good thing. I got everything I need. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness, for your kindness. Thank you that you've laid down your life so that we could have life. In the name of the good shepherd, we pray. In the name of Jesus. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Amen.